Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. I am so sorry that uh, I was under the weather last week and couldn't do the program. I um, have the flu that never ends. And um, true to form, I still kind of have it, but uh, I'm certainly well enough to be doing today's program, so it's good to be back with you again. Um, tons of email have piled up, and I'm going to jump into them if nobody calls into the program. But callers always take priority on the program, so if you do want to call in, the number is 347-994-2981. We have a few uh, parents who we've been speaking to over the last few weeks who um, have open invitations to call back in and give us progress reports. And by the way, if you hear the line go dead briefly, it's because I'm in the middle of a coughing fit and don't think that makes for great uh, content for the radio program. Um, How's it going with you and your behaviorally challenging child? Um, Let's start with one of our uh, emails from the folks who listen to this program. Um, And this is from one of the uh, folks who called in. So here we go. I thought I'd start with this one. Uh, No, no, they didn't call in. I read the email. Dr. Green, thanks for reading my email on your program yesterday. I just had a chance to listen today. I wrote in about my teenage son who has difficulty completing his schoolwork. I see clearly now that we need to isolate each unsolved problem in schoolwork but I'm having trouble with that concept. Ultimately, I believe all the problems fall into similar category, organization or lack thereof, and an unwillingness to accept help. I'm going to read this next part, but I'm not sure it's going to matter. Here is a brief background and question. Our son has a very high IQ and managed to make it through gifted programs doing almost no work through the seventh grade. For example, he seemed to just know the math. But as it reached 8th and ninth grade, things became more complicated or harder, and it took real work for him to figure it out. Although always a challenging child, this is when the more explosive behavior really presented itself. We've been working with a therapist for almost two years now, and we have made great progress with many unsolved problems regarding his social interactions and about most things. However, we still struggle with the schoolwork. Even though I know this is too broad, I really feel that the unsolved problem here is his inability to accept help. I am an extremely lucky individual in that his school is more than willing to work with him. We, his parents, are here and willing to work with him. He has an extended family and a very strong base of friends in town. I just can't seem to engage with him about the schoolwork, even if it is divided into many subgroups as he seems unwilling to consider that he might need help. His answer is always, it's not a problem. I can do it myself. 
but his D's and F's on the last two report cards suggest otherwise. Even if I divide the school the, into small manageable pieces, what do I do if he just won't discuss the issue? Just writing this out has helped me think it through. Perhaps I really need to ask him more specific questions about what he thinks the problem is, or if he even thinks there is a problem. Any additional direction from you on that would be wonderful. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome uh, in advance, um, but thanks for writing in again. See, here's the deal. Um, I'm glad you believe all the problems fall into a similar cat. Actually, I'm not glad. Um, I don't know if all the problems fall into a similar category. I know unwillingness, I know help is a solution. Being helped is a solution to an unsolved problem. But it's not a concern. And yes, at the very end of your email, you arrived at the point that I hope you'll be at. You're not talking to him yet about why he won't accept help, because that's talking with him about a solution that you've conceived about an unsolved problem. Um, in this case, I'll just pick one out of the air here. Difficulty getting started on and completing, let's say, math homework. Um, just because you're using um, math as the example, I'll run with it. Now, it sounds like you get it. You would need to break math down into different unsolved problems, and I've just done it not knowing if it's true or not, but I'm going to say difficulty getting started on and completing the homework in Algebra 2. How's that? So now we've just moved on from math globally to Algebra 2, which is more specific, to getting started on and completing the homework in Algebra 2, which is even more specific still. I'm sorry he's having difficulty getting started on and completing the homework in Algebra 2. That's what we want to find out about, what's hard for him. If we start with a solution, number one, we won't get the information about what's hard for him in Algebra 2. And number two, what he seems to be telling us, and a lot of kids respond this way to unsolved problems that are in the form of a solution, what we might call an embedded solution, won't talk. They won't talk. And his D's and F's on the last two report cards, let's say in Algebra 2, and I have no idea if he's in, in Algebra 2, um, speak to the fact that um, we do still very much have an unsolved problem here. But if we push too hard with our solution, he won't participate in the conversation, and we won't find out what's getting in the way of him completing the homework in Algebra 2. So, I'm going to reread the end of your email. Perhaps I really need to ask him a more specific question about what he thinks the problem is. Well, the person who's going to decide what the problem is, the person who's defining the unsolved problem is you. And I'm giving you an example here. It may not be applicable, but I'm giving you an example. Difficulty getting started on and completing the homework in Algebra 2. What you're asking him about 
is what's getting in the way on that, what's hard for him. What you're not asking him about is how come he won't accept help. That's as much direction as I can give you. You are once again welcome to email in. Yes, that was a cough. Um, And let us know how it goes. Now, just to take you the next step further, if you're going to do the introduction in the empathy step, it's going to sound like this. I've noticed you're having difficulty getting started on and completing the homework for Algebra 2. What's up? No mention of accepting help. That's a solution. No mention of the behaviors he exhibits when he's having difficulty on Algebra 2. No mention of the fact that he has been apparently having difficulty talking with you about that right now. No mention. No mention of your theories about what's getting in his way. And I know that earlier in your email, you mentioned that you thought this was lack of organization as well. That's a theory. That's not going to end up in the introduction to the unsolved problem. We want to make this a pure, unadulterated, unsolved problem so as to increase the likelihood that he will actually talk because you're very well aware of what happens if he doesn't talk. You don't get the information you're looking for and the problem remains unsolved. Here's another email. Hi, Dr. Green. My daughter is eight and a half years old and is an explosive child. We have been working with an an in-home BCBA team for a year, but her aggressive outbursts are becoming more escalated to the point of my concern for our safety. Nothing yet, but everything is locked up and we have emergency plans in place. I feel like I am sitting on a time bomb. We get little or no support in school. They want to isolate her in a self-contained unit. She has been diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder and needs to work on social skills with other kids. So I'm concerned with her moving into a facility with six boys, paraprofessionals making $9 an hour, and no focus on helping my daughter develop appropriate skills to replace the violent outbursts. We have excellent insurance, but I am hoping there might be some help in finding options for her elsewhere. Well, um... What I can do is email you back with the names of some educational consultants in your area who will have a significantly better repertoire than I do. But the part of your um, email that I'm going to pay most attention to is this. Nothing's working at the moment. Things are not working at school. Things are not working at home. The BCBA team, um, whatever they're doing, Apparently, and I don't like to judge from afar, but I'm paying attention to the fact that you're saying that her aggressive outbursts are becoming more escalated. A lot of in-home therapy staff are trained in 
the reward and punishment approach. Um, I don't know what your CBA team has been telling you to do, but I have seen punishment make things worse, and I have seen failure to achieve an anticipated reward make things worse. And I'm a little concerned, aside from the autism spectrum diagnosis, which isn't meaningless, but like the vast majority of other diagnoses, does not tell me with the kind of detail I need what skills your daughter is lacking and what very specific unsolved problems are being set in motion contributed to by those lagging skills. This may end up being our theme of the day because there's a few other emails in the queue where it's quite clear that a lot of energy is being put into figuring out what the diagnosis is and basing intervention on diagnostic category. And I must say, that is not the way I tend to go about doing things. I don't find diagnoses to be especially informative at all and find that lagging skills are much more informative when it comes to helping us understand a child and increasing the predictability of their challenging episodes. And unsolved problems, of course, greatly increase the predictability of challenging episodes because there is no challenging episode unless there is an unsolved problem. So if the BCBA team has been very reward and punishment oriented, if you're still feeling like you really don't know what's getting in the way for your daughter or what you and the folks at school could be working on to help her, reduce the unsafe episodes that are causing people to feel the need to have emergency plans and lock everything up. It may be time for a change in course. On the Lies in the Balance website, if you haven't done this already, you want to go to the resources section, you want to go to the paperwork section, and print out a copy of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And maybe you and the BCBA folks can put your heads together on what your daughter's lagging skills and unsolved problems are. One thing's for certain, none of those lagging skills are going to be taught with a reward and punishment program. And none of the unsolved problems you identify are going to be solved with a reward and punishment program. And whatever those lagging skills and unsolved problems are, the autism spectrum diagnosis is not going to identify them for you, even though the autism spectrum diagnosis may have you feeling that there is some legitimacy to the fact that there is something different about your daughter and that she needs special help. If you need help figuring out how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, you want to go to the parent and families section of the website, and you want to take the guided tour for parents. The first, the second, first section is change your lesson, le, uh, lenses. 
But the second section is called Using the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. And there's audio programming in that section so that you'll know exactly how to do it. And then, and that's, that's all quite a bit already, you may, wanna, you may find value. Once again, I don't know your daughter. I don't know your situation exactly. Very hard to guide you just based on the limited information that you've provided here. So anything I'm saying is by definition going to be insufficient because we've never met. And I don't know the complexity of your situation as well as I would like to. What I can tell you is how to use this model. Um, if you think that your daughter is a good candidate for solving problems collaboratively, that's step three. And you can learn all about that on the guided tour as well. I hope you find that to be helpful. And I wish you the best of luck, of course. Shall we move on to the next one? Let's. We are always slow on calls on the weeks after there was no program. My chances of doing a program last week were in the slim and none category, but I always hate missing them. All right, this is a good one. Dr. Green, we've recently learned about your approach and have been trying to implement it for the last two weeks with our 13-year-old daughter. We've had some initial success with agreements about bedtime and getting ready for school on time. Good. However, overall, her behavior seems to be worse than ever. She routinely ignores our requests to do things like help pick up the house, not have another sugary treat, not sit on the dining room table, not throw tea bags into the sink from across the kitchen. These are examples from the last 18 hours. And is rude, argumentative, and mocking towards me in particular. It's awful. I know it probably sounds minor to you, but it to me, it feels like I'm living with an animal, and I hate it. What should I do or say when she ignores my requests and treats me disrespectfully? Nothing? Something? I have a 10-year-old son who is pretty easy to get along with. I don't want him to think that this behavior is okay, or to think that it's unfair that he is helpful and respectful when she is not. Also, it's hard for me to find a neutral moment to initiate a Plan B conversation because so much of the time, either she's in a confrontational state or I am so disgusted with her behavior that I don't want to talk with her. Thank you very much for writing in. Uh, and it does sound awful, so I'm certainly not going to disagree with you there. But, and, and it is huge, just huge, that you have made some initial progress on solving problems with your 13-year-old daughter. It sounds like interactions with you, too, has been adversarial and unpleasant for a very long time. And by solving those two problems, you have at least eliminated, we hope, the adversarial interactions that occur between you, at least on those two unsolved problems, bedtime and getting ready for school on time. That is fantastic. You're on your way, believe it or not even though it may not feel that way. Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, anything you are requesting that she do, 
that she is not presently doing reliably, independently, without you requesting it, is an unsolved problem. So, difficulty picking up the house is an unsolved problem. It would be ideal if it was more specific than that, but I'll keep going. Um, Difficulty eating healthy foods is an unsolved problem. Um, Difficulty sitting on a chair at the dining room table. I'm rewording some of yours because I try not to go with knots if I can avoid it. Um, So what I'm trying to do is put in what the expectation is that she's having difficulty meeting. I'm operating on the assumption only because I don't have you on the phone with me right now that you'd rather she'd sit on a chair rather than on the dining room table. That um, eating healthy foods is, though a vague way to put it, and you might be able to be more specific about it, um, the replacement or, or the expectation that she's having difficulty meeting when she's having another sugary treat. Difficulty putting the tea bags in the garbage. Um, well, difficulty putting the tea bags in the sink without throwing them across the room. And I'm going to bet, could be wrong about this, but that the rudeness, argumentativeness, and the mocking especially happens. It may not be limited to this, but especially happens when you are telling her to do one of those things. So here's what's happened. It sounds like you've worked on two, and I'm going to call them this for for my own purposes, high-priority unsolved problems. Let's say you've organized this so that bedtime, whatever that unsolved problem was, I'm not too clear on it, and getting ready for school on time were the two high-priority unsolved problems you picked first. Hmm. Or did you? Or did you? A very big part of this model is making sure that we're not working on too many things at once. Huge. If we try to work on too many things at once, we'll end up having a much harder time solving anything at all. If you're also requesting that you pick up the house, not have another sugary treat, not sit on a dining room table, not throw tea bags into the sink from across the kitchen, sounds like those are things you'd like to be working on and are requesting, your own words, that she not do. But that means you've got at least four to six things that you're working on at the same time. And you really should only be working on two or three at a time. While I would be the first to agree that throwing the tea bag across the room into the sink is rude and obnoxious, whether it's a high priority or not, you get to decide. And you could decide that in collaboration with her. I, I bet I'm, without you going into detail, I probably have a decent idea. I'm not a mind reader here, but I'm betting you got your good reasons for not wanting her to eat another sugary treat, not sit on the dining room table. I bet you'd love her to pick up the house. 
Those are all great unsolved problems, but you can't work on them all at once. And each time you request that you that she do those things, you are suggesting that they are high priorities, and you are going about trying to get those expectations met by requesting in a way that does not even come close to resembling plan B. Because you're still requesting them, they're certainly not plan C, and that only leaves one plan left, A. So we've got to take a step back here. If you haven't done this already, I would strongly recommend that you do this. You've got to make a list of unsolved problems. And it sounds like it's going to be a long list. Then you've got to decide, which ones am I working on right now? Pick two or three. Which ones am I not? That's the rest of them. Those are plan C. The ones that are plan C, you are setting aside for now. So just as an example, if uh, firing a teabag across the room into the sink is plan C, then at least until you put it into plan B, you're not commenting on it. You're not requesting anything be done differently. And I, I get it. It's obnoxious. It's unpleasant. But your second paragraph begins with, it's awful. Feels like I'm living with an animal, and I hate it. You may feel like you're living with an animal for a little bit longer, but we want to make sure this is an animal you feel like you can live with and that you're, the word awful increasingly doesn't feel like the word you would describe, use to describe your experience with your daughter. What should you do when she treats you disrespectfully? Let's see how often you're being treated disrespectfully. If you're taking the things you're a meaningful percentage of the things you're presently requesting and putting them in plan C and you're just letting them go for now. You're setting them aside for now. Not as an act of capitulation, not because you've accepted living like an animal but because if you try to solve everything at once, you'll end up solving nothing at all. When will you start working on those things after you've solved some of your higher priorities? And you can turn your attention to some things that you had previously set aside. This is going to be incremental because from the sounds of it, it didn't get this way overnight, and it's not going to fix overnight. But to your credit, once again, you have already begun. If you're trying to work on everything at once, though, you will end up um, not seeing the gains that you've seen so far because you're working on too much at once. Now, one last thing in your email. You have a 10-year-old son who's pretty easy to get along with. You don't want him to think that this behavior is okay. Okay. Um, my bet is that he already knows that. Um, and apparently he's not having as much difficulty being helpful and respectful as she is. He may have skills she doesn't have. And we may have to uh, explain that to him. Um, the good news is it doesn't seem to have happened yet. I'm betting he's got his eyes wide open. 
Stetney sees what you're dealing with here. And I'll tell you what he's mostly looking for. He's looking for things to get better. He'd like the atmosphere in the family to get better. He does not... Notice, here's what I didn't say. Notice I didn't say that he wants to be treated exactly the same as his sister. Last point in your email. It's hard for you to find a neutral moment to initiate a plan B discussion because so much of the time she's in a confrontational state or you're so disgusted with her behavior that you don't want to talk to her. Well, you will want to make an appointment with her, but I think if we get a lot of the requests for things that you're not working on right now, you're not requesting things that you've set aside, that should free up some opportunities for you and your daughter to talk. I really appreciate you emailing in. Um, you're welcome to call into the program anytime, as always. I hope that was informative, and we are going to move on to the next one. Let me give the call-in number again, just because we only have about 15 minutes left. 347 994 2981. Let's move on to another. We've got lots. All right. Dr. Green, I'm having a meeting with our 11 year old daughter's therapist and my soon to be ex husband tomorrow morning. I think I'm too late for that one. He, I'm assuming that this is the ex, soon to be ex husband, is determined that she has ADHD. I, as a parent, do believe I have ADHD. I do not see a lot of the classic symptoms of ADHD in my child. I do, however, see issues where she gets stuck on an issue and cannot get out. It can be extremely frustrating and very difficult. If she has ADHD, I would embrace the situation and work to help her. My soon-to-be ex is suggesting drugs for her to me. To me, my daughter directly, and the therapist. Before getting her on drugs, which may frustrate her more if symptoms are not taken care of by their use because of potential misdiagnosis, I wanted to try to gain clarity on the difference between ADHD and explosive behavior. I am ordering your books, but in the meantime, I have a meeting that was set for tomorrow morning, or at least a basic understanding of the difference in behavior between the two would be very helpful. Is there often an instance of misdiagnosis between the two? Are the treatments generally different? An interesting email, and thanks for sending it in. Um, AD, well, first of all, there are no diagnostic criteria for explosive behavior. The closest you'll probably come is a diagnosis. There's others that overlap called oppositional defiant disorder, which roughly involves behaviors such as refusing to do what one is told. This is, this is the diagnostic manual language, not mine. Defying adult rules and requests. Throwing a lot of tantrums. That's the slice of pie 
we might call oppositional defiant disorder. But if you've listened to this program before, you know not I'm not much of a pie slicer. ADHD is defined by some combination of inattention, hyperactivity, poor impulse control. Many kids diagnosed with ADHD also meet diagnostic criteria for oppositional defiant disorder, just two different slices of the pie. Many kids diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder meet diagnostic criteria for ADHD. In other words, while there are some kids who, here's one slice of the pie, um, refuse to do as they're told, defy adult rules and requests and throw a lot of tantrums, while there are some who are not also hyperactive, impulsive, and inattentive, many are both. While it is true that there are many kids meeting diagnostic criteria for ADHD, in other words, they are some combination of hyperactive, impulsive, and inattentive, while there are some who do not have that other slice of the pie, um, defiance, refusing to do as they're told, throwing a lot of tantrums, many have that slice too. So, I don't know if your daughter is hyperactive, impulsive, and or inattentive because in your email, all you mentioned was the diagnosis. So I don't know if she would meet criteria or not. I don't know if she'd meet criteria for oppositional defined disorder either. But what I'm mostly worried about is that you might be find it far more informative to figure out what her lagging skills and unsolved problems are. Um, I don't know. It sounds like you would be, um, in your email you said that you would embrace the situation and work to help her if you got her certified as ADHD. Um, I don't think you want the psychiatric diagnosis to be the gatekeeper on embracing the situation and working to help her. I think you're caught up in the categories. And it's not that the categories are useless, but there are people who prescribe psychiatric medications without necessarily worrying as much about the categories. I don't think you want to be so consumed by the categories. She could be both. She could be neither. She could be one or the other. I think you want to get to know her. And, to your question, medications that could be, that are, that are shown to be effective for hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention might help her. Sometimes, those medications can make things worse in some kids and therefore can make the oppositional or explosive behavior worse 
That happens. But that can happen whether you've got a accurate diagnosis of ADHD or not. I don't think you want to get caught up in the diagnoses here. I think you want to figure out what your daughter's lagging skills and unsolved problems are. And if you are considering medication, make sure that you and your soon-to-be ex-husband meet with somebody who can talk to you about your medication options, talk to you about potential side effects, and stay in close touch to monitor things to make sure they go well and take corrective action if they should start to go more poorly. That assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, though, as you may now know, can be found in the resources section on the Lives in the Balance website. And that's where I always start. I hope um, that's a helpful response to you. Let's see what else we got going on here. Here's another email. Well, let me just double check here. Nope, no callers today. Here's another one. Ah, this is a nice one. Dr. Green, they're all nice. This is just a thank you. Dr. Green, I just wanted to thank you for helping restore some calm to our household. My son has ADHD, inattentive, and I can't count how many times we tried reasoning, consequences, incentives to deal with meltdown situations. I felt completely inadequate, especially after hearing all kinds of advice from well-meaning relatives and friends. The analogy of asking someone in a wheelchair to just get up and walk was so helpful to me. I now frequently ask myself, is this worth a meltdown? And nine times out of ten, it is definitely not. I want my son to feel we are on his side to help him with challenges, and this approach is so much better than being adversarial. Thank you, thank you, thank you, says the email. Now, a few things. Thank you for your email, by the way. Very nice of you to write in. Um, you know, I took the analogy of the wheelchair out of the explosive child a few editions ago, and I still get people writing in telling me how helpful it was. Maybe I shouldn't have taken it out, but there was something about it that I wasn't quite working for me anymore. Not sure that I remember why I thought that was not ideal, but I'm glad it was helpful to you. It's just not in there anymore. Just one quick comment. I hope things aren't better primarily only because of plan C, and you asking yourself, is this worth a meltdown? See, here's what this tells me. Um, I started emphasizing the proactive part of the model, the proactive solving problems collaboratively after the first edition. And that's where the wheelchair analogy was. I don't remember when I took the wheelchair analogy out, but I'm a little bit worried that you may, I could be wrong, still be more focused on what to do in the heat of the moment rather than being focused on identifying problems proactively and solving them collaboratively and proactively so you don't find yourself in the heat of the moment asking yourself if it's worth a meltdown very often anymore. 
put a great deal of effort into helping people identify those problems ahead of time so that they can be solved ahead of time so that you don't find yourself in the heat of the moment. So um, lots of content about that on the Lives in the Balance website um, so you don't have to buy a newer edition of the book. By the way, the fifth edition, the now newly revised fifth edition of The Explosive Child comes out in May. Um, Let's try one more email. Dr. Green, I'm desperately needing help understanding and parenting my five-year-old daughter. She has been diagnosed with ADHD, receptive and expressive language delay, auditory processing disorder, dyspraxia, sensory processing disorder, anxiety and mood disorders. She's extremely inflexible and easily frustrated, I can only imagine. She is a twin and had significant birth trauma. I feel as if she could be on the autism spectrum. Is CPS, which now, of course, stands for Collaborative and Proactive Solutions, appropriate for her? read The Explosive Child in less than two days and wished to try this, however, because of her receptive language. I'm not sure she will comprehend or be able to think of solutions for herself. She has great difficulty answering open-ended questions. What are your thoughts about this? Um, I don't know. Haven't met her. And first of all, thank you for writing. Sounds like she's got a lot going on and some things that could make it difficult for her to participate in the process. Um, does sound especially like the ones that could make things most difficult are the receptive and expressive language delays. Um, and opening answer, answering open-ended questions Maybe she has open answering ended questions too, but probably the right thing to say is that she has having difficulty answering open-ended questions. Um, you'll find out in the fifth edition of The Explosive Child and soon on the Lives and a Balance website, there will be pictures that people can use to as a model for identifying unsolved problems and solutions. So whenever... There's a child who's having difficulty participating in the method that we adults prefer, uh, verbal give and take. Uh, a lot of problems can be identified and a lot of solutions identified through use of pictures. And uh, it's entirely possible that we'll have those pictures up on the website this week. I know I've been saying it for a while, but Lindsay and I met this morning, and it looks like we are going to be making some headway on that one this week. Um, but I don't know if your daughter is going to be able to participate. It's possible that the questions don't need to be so open-ended um, and that she might be able to respond to more concrete no, questions that help you understand her concern or perspective better. So you've got a lot of different options available to you and some different programs in the listening library on the Lives in a Balance website to help you along the way with kids who have delayed language processing and communication skills. So I think it's on the Lives in the Balance website waiting for you if you want more details, along with those pictures that will be posted on the website sometime this week. I think. 
I hope that that uh, answers the question. But I will say this. You've got a lot of diagnoses that have piled up, and I bet they're all legitimate. But to make the most headway with your daughter, I'm betting you're going to find that identifying her lagging skills and unsolved problems is going to be even more informative. At the very least, even if you feel you have a handle on her lagging skills, the specific unsolved problems you should be working on have yet to be determined. And so, you, like many others on this program today, probably want to get that ALSEP downloaded from the Lives in a Balance website, fill it out, get to know your daughter, and call in next week if you have any questions. It's going to do it for us today. Have a good one. Talk to you next week with the Parents Panel.